going to take a second to thank our newest sponsor, ATO Basketball Merchants, located directly at the Langley Event Center at 7888 Street. In building number 120, our boy Jeff Winslade has a wide variety of the latest gear, jerseys, sweatpants, socks, hats, fitted, doesn't matter, a huge shoe rack, anything you need if you're a hooper and a hoop head. Please stop by the store, show some support, and get yourself some fly gear. If anyone wants, I'm a double XL, and I'll take that Rex Chapman Hornets in white. Thanks to ATO B-Ball. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to A Hoops Journey. Um, if you can believe it or not, we are stepping into episode number 97 as we sit down um, with a gentleman who is a certified vet of the Canadian national team, one of the best hoopers our country has ever produced, from Eastern Commerce all the way to Fordham, you know, overseas to Europe, worn the flag 75 plus times on his chest for us and given us everything he's had and found himself all the way with kind of a an interesting full circle uh, basketball career. Now the GM of the CEBL champion uh, Hamilton team. We have none other than Mr. Jermaine Rock Anderson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm excellent, man. You know, back in the swing of things, life is busy with a well, almost six-year-old and teaching and getting back coaching, but all good things and good problems to have, you know? So no, uh, no complaints and no one would listen anyways. Did you enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend? <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, spent time with my grandparents, family, just ate and relaxed. Nice. And I, yeah, just, 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 what's the go-to? What's the go-to? Yeah. So with my, with, with my family, it is turkey, curry, goat, oxtail, Ooh. rice and peas. Say right? less. So, yeah. The, you know, without Jamaican dish, um, Jamaican dishes, talking. I should say. And I'm, I, and I, and I don't, I don't really eat meat often as you eat meat okay. uh, once once a week so i uh i save my meat days for this weekend <laughs> so, load it up yeah i'm feeling it i'm feeling it now yeah, i was gonna say you cash some credit in and maybe you sneak in a couple of meat days or what it, yeah. exactly exactly but no it was good just being around family was good good yeah and as we were texting you know lots to be thankful for you know it's just pause and um uh, just sort of take a look around and think about what everybody's been through the last little bit and that you know there was a time where People were telling us you can't go hanging out with your family. Yeah. So we're in a, in a better spot now for sure, man. Amen to that. And so c- congratulations, man. What has that all been like since mid-August? Have you processed it? Are you a guy who's like the next week on the phone trying to re-sign, reconnect, bring people in, whatever it is? Or did you take a little bit of time and think about, you know, I think the CEBL is amazing. And I think it just offers so many great things to our country and give so many guys the opportunity to play. So how does it feel to be a part of all that? Yeah, to be honest, it's just a feeling of, of gratitude. You know, the fact that we were able to win a championship, but just more importantly, I was able to do it with my friends. You know, like Ryan and I are extremely close. Uh, our head coach, Sheldon, our, our lead assistant, is somebody I've known for years, Ashton, you know, Big Mike. These are guys that I, that I grew up with. And mm. to, you know, be able to win a championship with them and to go through the process of, of, of losing, you know, the last two years and learning um, from our mistakes and yeah, being in a position where, you know, we, we had a, a, a solid, I would say like 
our season from start to finish was absolutely amazing because we had a great group across the board. Like all, all of our guys bought in. Our staff is absolutely incredible. Um, our team president, John Lashway, you know, gives us all full autonomy to do whatever it is that, you know, we need to, to create the the best organization possible. And honestly, it was, it was fun. It was a fun ride. When I, when I, came, I actually came back from Shanghai two days before our training camp. So I, I got back and took two days and then it was like nonstop. So once it was <laughs> over, it was just, I just finally just got a chance to just to relax and, and unwind and, you know, and just, and just enjoy it. But mm-hmm. we did it, we did it with, for me, I, you know, we did it with family and that was the most important thing. I love hearing you use the word autonomy, man. Um, being a high school teacher, I tell the kids all the time when they get older, um, and you wouldn't think that in something like basketball, you would be able to find autonomy, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a guard like yourself, finding that coach who gives you autonomy on the floor, and then now being a GM, and someone just sort of saying, hey, I show trust in you, we've developed this relationship, and go for it, right? That's huge. And no yeah. matter what people choose to do in life, it just, I think that's where you see good cultures and good things happen. I don't know what you think about that. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We, we, we weren't micromanaged in any way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like the best way to grow is to make mistakes. Right. And, you know, I, I made mistakes, obviously our coaches that we all did, but you know, when it, when it came down to crunch time, we were all that much better for it. And yeah. it resulted in a, in a, in a championship, you know, which nobody could ever take away from us. Got that right. Don't mean, <laughs> don't mean a thing without a ring. Yeah, man. <laughs> and if we continue to make those mistakes then we just get fired. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, at at some point, at some point, it has to translate to winning. <laughs> but as long as you're able to figure that out, you know, we can't just make For mistakes sure. and lose year after year. Yeah. But now we figured it out. Tell these kids, man, I'm like, you're going to make so many more mistakes for like, you're like 17. You have no idea how many times you're going <laughs> to screw up in the next 50 years of your life, right? Exactly. touched on family and you touched on kind of from your younger days let's go right back there man you know being from eastern commerce but what was life like for you as a just a kind of like a little guy growing up your family situation and uh sort of how did basketball sort of come around for you um and and be something that was a huge passion for you for right up to this day in your life yeah i mean for me my childhood was fun you know even though it was you know quote unquote rough like I, my my grandparents, my grandparents raised me, so they did everything in their power in their power to provide the best life for me. Like I, I never felt like there was lack in my life at all, right? So mm-hmm. my my mom was incarcerated incarcerated for a period of time. My my grandparents took me in, and when I was living with them, uh, I had an older cousin who lived uh, above me in, in in my building, and that's where I started. Like I would follow him everywhere that he went. So I was outside just playing and and and, and learning the game. And honestly, I, I just developed, you know, a passion for basketball through my cousins, like just being around them. But growing up, I played everything. I played soccer, I played baseball, played street hockey, <laughs> like <laughs> any and everything you think of. But I was swimming, did karate when I was a kid. You didn't but get on the ice like, though? No, I didn't get on the ice. I actually. Me too, man. I'm with you. Yes. I can't see yeah. to say if I look like a, you know, like as like a sheep is just born and their legs are like, they're yeah, all yeah. jiggly, right? Yeah, that's me on the ice. I'm like, get 
my big old ass off this ice before I crack my tailbone, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I can skate. I just can't stop. Yeah. So <laughs> I can skate. I can't straight stop. Into the so boards. Yeah, straight into the boards and then figure it out and start all over again. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I I played everything growing up, but I think just being around my cousins, you know, seeing them play and then, you know, watching games, you know, every weekend it was, you know, there's NBA on, on NBC and, you know, the theme music and, and watching, you know, Chicago and the Knicks play and um, the Lakers, et cetera. I think that was the separator for me. And I, I think the, I think the, probably the moment for me where I was just like, you know what, like it's, I'm just going to focus on basketball is I got invited to the Toronto Raptors basketball camp. So the first ever camp that they had at York university, I think it was in 95. And I got a chance to, to meet Isaiah Thomas. And um, at the time I was living at Keenan Wilson and he actually gave me a ride home uh, one day. And so I felt like I was close to to what we had at the time right like before you know the the this wave started you know basketball grew and i was into track as well and then uh i remember beating everybody in in, in my track meet and then when i got to provincials getting smoked so i knew that track <laughs> track was gonna be for me <laughs> um, but uh yeah no the love for basketball just grew and you know playing for eastern and, and being around a bunch of guys from across the city who had the same mindset and, you know, playing for grassroots and playing with all the best players in the city. You know, at the time there was only grassroots in phase one, you know, it isn't like how it is now where you have AAU teams popping up all over the place. So I I got, I got a well-rounded scope of the sport landscape growing up, but I was around the best players at the time. You know, and mm -hmm. that just fueled my passion. And I was like one of the young guys who didn't necessarily get a chance to play. So that, you know, yeah, I always had something that was motivating me, you know, growing up. Cousin brought you to rebound. But then when the big kids showed up, it was like, go sit in the bleachers and no, I didn't get, your rebound. Own, get, no, get just, your own force. No, <laughs> no you, you know, you just, you just wait until the runs are over and then you get out yeah. there and you play when everybody's get tired. Some shots up. Yeah, get some shots up. I think that's cool touching on the part of um, you're right in the middle of the transition of, you know, us, obviously we had the Grizzlies, but kind of came and went, whereas Toronto was still around and, and just that, you know, going from the U sport people to look up to or the kids in the neighborhood or your cousin, you now have like Isaiah Thomas at a basketball camp or, you know, junkyard dog or whoever these people are. And you can like high five them and, and get an autograph as a little kid. And I think that even, that expands your mind even more because watching those games on NBC is one thing, but then to see these people in the flesh yeah. and know that they're representing your city, you know, I think we saw Toronto basketball really just sort of really take off, you know, and you're right in the heart of that. I think that's very, very dope. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, it was, uh, it honestly was a blessing. It was a blessing mm -hmm. you know, at, yeah. at that time. And like I said, Eastern, Eastern fielded. Eastern yeah. Fielded. So say more about that. Was that, was, how does, how does one, you know, out here with the public schools and stuff, there's a bit of controversy about recruiting and who's getting pulled and where kids are going. And what was your experience like? Was it was it Eastern all the way just because of the reputation and, and you knew you were going to play? Or was there a coach that you played for that drew you in? Or, you know, how did you end up getting there? No, it's just it's just a reputation. Just seeing them, you know, I, I remember going to Jarvis Collegiate and, and, and watching you know, Colin Charles and, and Jamal and those guys playing the tournament there. 
And I remember they came out to, you know, blase, blase. It was like when the East is in the house, yes. oh my God. And, and seeing the gym go crazy. And I was, I was in middle school at the time. I was like, I'm definitely going to that school. I think I might have been in grade <laughs> school. And I was like, yeah, yeah. before I knew anything about Eastern, just the, just the environment and, and seeing and, and just seeing a gym full of people that, you know, people were hanging off the rafters and, 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 and just the energy. And like I said, I didn't really know much about Eastern at the time, but I knew it was something that I wanted to be a part of, you know, and I wanted to be able to create my own path. Yeah. So talk about that. Was there a, was there, like you talked about a bit of a desire to get better. When did that really start to get going when you're in high school? Were you the guy that was there at seven in the morning doing what you could? Those early on teams, you know, in those younger years, how were they? What were they like? Yeah, I think this, Eastern was so competitive that you know, I, I didn't necessarily have a choice. Sure. And then when I started playing for grassroots and, you know, we had all, you know, the older guys like Wayne Smith, but Messiah, et cetera, and, and not playing, you know, I would say though, both of those situations like fuel the fire in, in me because I, I wanted to play and I knew that Eastern was extremely competitive. So even though I was, you know, at practice running hills at seven in the morning. Um, so is everybody else. Right. <laughs> so it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do at lunchtime? What am I going to do after school? Um, even though I wasn't playing during, during, during runs with my AAU team, you know, I would work on my ball handling or do something off to the side. Right. Until I got my opportunity to play. Right. So I think just being an, uh, an underdog, in an AU setting and thriving um, at Eastern, it, it was I think it was a healthy balance for me, because even though I even though I started to thrive, I knew that there was a lot more that I needed to do to become you know a Division One athlete. Yeah, and when okay, there it is. So when when did Jermaine think I could I want to be a Division One athlete? Was it you were little and it was like just throwing out that dream out there, or when you know what I mean? When was it something where yeah. you're like I'm driven for this? Yeah, I'd say probably probably in grade in grade nine or ten, because a really good friend of mine, his brother uh, was Damian Reed, so Junior Reed, who actually gave me uh, my nickname Rock, his mm. brother was at St. Joe's, so okay. I, I we would go out and we would visit Damian. Uh, I got invited myself and, and and I think three or four other guys. We also went out to the University of Kentucky camp as well too. So Jamal invited a small group from Eastern. So I was at St. Joe's, the University of Kentucky, these different schools. And I was able to see a D1 or a university setting. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> so I was actually on campus and I was walking around. And I was just like, oh, okay, like this is something I want to be a part of. And watching the Fab Five in, in, in different schools. And I was just like, I, I need to get a scholarship one day. Like I, I like I want to be a part of this. Similar to my mindset when I was in grade school watching Eastern, mm-hmm. it was the same when I was, you know, touring college campuses across the country, whether it be through camps or AU tournaments. So I would say grade nine or ten, and then playing against you know the quote unquote top ranked players, you know, and 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 seeing the difference at the time, cool, really cool. Was, yes. quote unquote okay. unquote quote unquote, okay. because at the okay. time we okay. weren't necessarily, there's the, there's the yeah, bulldog there's the in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quote unquote. Right. Cause yeah, I remember <laughs> I, I, at that time 
you know, we weren't recognized. Sure. Right? Like now we have, you know, we have top guys, top five, top 10 guys. Um, mm-hmm. But at the time, you know, just to be on a top 100 list was a big deal. Right. So um, that's why I said, quote unquote. <laughs> But you caught it. You caught it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I'm listening. (laughs) Got it. You caught it. Uh Yeah, yeah. No, but great. No, I would say great, great, great nine, great, great nine, and great ten. You know, I I knew that I wanted to be to uh, to become a Division One athlete. And then, what were those last couple years like? And when did the attention start to come around for you? Was it a combo of you know you've touched on it a couple times? Was it a combo of high school season and then getting on the AAU circuit and kind of getting your name out there a bit, or was there were there a couple moments, a couple games, you know, and what were those teams like and and to play with and be kind of like an elite level team in, in the province and in the country, right? I mean, if you if you know anything about high school basketball, you, someone says Eastern Commerce, you probably should know, you know what I mean? So yeah, just being able to represent, knowing that every time you step on the floor, you're getting everyone's best challenge, like bar none, no question, especially if you're playing north of the border, right? If you're playing in Canada, guys are coming at you no question yeah so i i think i think it started from a from uh from our aau runs because schools mm. would come up like every every week right schools were coming up to to you know to watch you know the likes of wayne smith and anthony Igadoro, fidel and those guys so i was also seeing college coaches in the flesh right and and then you know getting an opportunity to play and i would i would ask you know, Coach Rowe, like, how did I do? What did they say? And, you know, he would give me little comments here and there, whether it was to tear me down or to make me feel good. <laughs> I, I, I took it <laughs> I took it and ran with it. I yeah. took it and ran with it. Did you appreciate that, though? Like, at least the, there was some, some honesty. I mean, it might have been at times about maybe a hard delivery to hear for, like, a 15-year-old. But did you at least oh, appreciate no. that you knew where you stood? Yeah. No, I that 100%. Like he, mm-hmm. he was honest, he, he, you know, he let me know that, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily a, as good as I thought I was. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was just like, yeah, you, you know, he, he, he would always say I'm a, a D2 guy. He's like, yeah, you know, you're not a D1 guy. You just look to score. You had to be more of a point guard. And, but I took it to heart. I took it to heart. Yeah. And I think I, and I think I needed that and I respected it. You know, he, he didn't sugarcoat anything. And <laughs> the one thing that he did do, and uh, it's it's fun. I mean, I I wouldn't say I wouldn't have said it then, but the guys that were, you know, the the top guys, he would drop home, right? So after a trip, he would drop them home. But he had to pass my apartment building to to drop some of these guys off. And he was just mm-hmm. like, oh no, I don't want to drop off rock. He, he's he's sus. He isn't good. So what he would do is he would actually drive by my building. And I would act, and I would have to like hop out of the van, so he wouldn't like come come to a complete stop. He would just slow down, and then my guys would what? you know th- throw the bag. Yeah, yeah. So they would throw they would throw my bag out, and I would jump the out, like, roll. roll, yeah, roll, like you know, like Jean Claude Van Damme, one of those movies, right? That's always and good then, in midwinter too, right? In T dot, like you know, the ice and snow. And- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but my but you know, it's, it might sound. So somewhat sick and twisted, but I said to myself, okay, you know what? I need to get him to stop in front of my building. Like that was a, that was a goal for a long period of time. And we ended up winning a tournament. I think it was in Ohio. We won the tournament. I played really well. And I remember him pulling in to my driveway and I was like, I made it. And at that mm-hmm. point I knew that I, I was, I mean, it sounds weird, 
It's <laughs> pure. No, like, that's this dope. And if you were, and at, but at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Division One basketball player. I love it. Right? That's not weird. Yeah. That's, that, yeah. That's, like, <laughs> that's goosebumps, man. That's awesome. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. Also, it just makes me think about the direction, kind of sometimes that we're going in life, where it's like, you know, as a teacher, I need like five pages of paperwork to drive a kid home now, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad, right? Whereas like, it's like, yo, hop in the van and you're like, that's, that's a cool story, man. I, I love that. The Zuzu Trooper, man. The Zuzu Trooper pull, pulled in? No way. The Trooper? Zuzu Trooper. Let's go. I mean, like nine of us. <laughs> One van. <laughs> windows all, windows all fogged out. Yeah. Hey, maybe, but we, I mean, we had to make do, right? Like, you know, it was a, a bunch of, inner city kids that you know we didn't necessarily have the means right to sure. be able to fly or you know to to rent a bus so you know it was two vans team full of 12 guys and you know we figured it out yeah it's funny too like uh being a west coast guy right you hear you hear about coach Rowe and you see him in different shows and stuff and people kind of make generalizations or you know people just sort of make opinions whether <laughs> they know or not and the amount of guys that talked to you on the show that have mentioned his name and have been a mentor looked out for him is like a list of them you know it's crazy yeah yeah and i yeah. think and i think he gets a bad rap you know i think when you go through the door when you're the first person to to go through a door right like you are going to take you you're, you're going to take fire you know it is what it is but if you look at everything that he was doing 30 you know 25 to 30 years ago you know in many ways he was ahead of his time now, did he make mistakes? Probably, but mm. you know the 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 AAU scene. You know, the, you know, sending guys to the U.S. at a, at a young age. Right now, we have prep leagues and we have AAU teams all over the country, right? And he, and he and he took a lot of heat, but he took heat for what everybody else is doing right now. You know, and I think so. You know, I think something. So I mean, you're right. Said. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah like I said, I, I, I'm. You know, like I've I've heard different things, and I guess I'm I'm sure he made mistakes, but for what he's been able to do for countless, you know, student athletes um, across the country, you know, I, I think I think something something should be said, you yeah. know, about what he's been no, able to do. Appreciate those words, man. I'm sure he does too. And then how how do you make your decision? Um, you're in the middle of high school. You're 17. Um, were you, were you getting lots of offers? How, how does the recruiting process work for you? Um, and how do you come to a decision? Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I mean, I remember getting a bunch of letters and came to the realization that letters didn't mean anything. Um, <laughs> so when it was all said and done, I probably had about like five real offers. Marquette came, they did a home visit. Um, I, I visited Drake in Des Moines, Iowa, and I actually committed uh, to Drake in the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up going out to Orlando to play in the Nike Showcase, played well. And then Fordham, Bob Hill at the time, who was the head coach of Indiana back in the day. The Pacers. Like Bob Hill, Bob Hill? Bob Hill, Bob Hill, yeah. Like slick, like gray hair, Bob Hill? Yes, yeah, slick Bob oh, Hill. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> so I remember him reaching out and, and, and coming to, to visit my, my home. And I ended up visiting Fordham. That was my last visit. And then when I got out there and, you know, New York city and being in the Bronx and at the time, uh, Shanti Burke was out there and I was just like, 
this is a school. This is this is this is this is where I need to go. So I ended up, you know, calling um, Drake and you know telling them that I was going to back out from my commitment. And you know, I, I, I to be honest, I think I, I think I made the right decision. But it, yeah. at the time, it was tough. It was tough, you know, because I did verbally commit. Yeah, and I mean, when we're that age, it's like we want to please people, and we're also very yeah. selfish. You know what I mean? So it's like if you could just have like never talked to anyone and signed with the team, probably would have like the recruiting process is awkward. Right. And then you got to make that call at like almost 18 or whatever. And you're like, Hey coach, uh, you know, but yep. I mean, live and learn is just, you know, you had, re- and like you said, no, you don't regret it. You made the right choice yeah. and you're happy with your decision. Right. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's part of the beast of NCAA hoops too. Right. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, those coaches have to be prepared for that too. No, and, and it forced me to grow up. Right. Like that was a tough call to make. But, um, you know, uh, my head coach at the time, Coach John, said, look, I don't care what you decide. But if you if you're going to sign with Fordham, you need you need to you need to call you need to call the coaching staff, you know, at Drake mm-hmm. and, and let them know. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that. And, you know, it was tough. But, you know, I, you know, I felt like I made the right decision. I would say so, too. Right. I mean, like your growth and development throughout the program, you know, highlighted by pretty solid senior numbers wise and what were those years like and how did it go and those first few days on campus what were were some of the things that you noticed that were the biggest difference or or was it kind of smooth and pretty flawless in terms of the transition the the first year at Fordham yeah oh no my first year was a disaster so (laughs) we uh (laughs) we ended up we ended up winning four games in my first year total yeah, we went four, Jeez. went four and twenty-six. Um, so yeah. pretty much what happened, we we ended up losing uh, a bunch of players um, because mm-hmm. they they well they transferred, but they transferred because they were going to be academically ineligible. Okay. So Smush, so Smush Parker ended up declaring for the draft. Uh, so we oh, lost dang. him. Uh, we lost we lost our starting four. You know, transferring to to USC. Um, so pretty much it was just a bunch of freshmen and we had two upperclassmen for the most part. So we got killed academically. My GPA uh, at the time, I think it was a one nine. So Bob Hill pretty much ran it like an NBA team, right? Like mm-hmm. it was pretty much up to us, up to us to, to take care of business, which I didn't do. I got, I got caught up in, in the New York city lifestyle. Which I'm sure yeah. would not be too hard to do, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't hard at all. <laughs> I don't think anybody uh, at that age would. <laughs> yeah, it's like being right mm-hmm. in the heart of, of the Bronx. Uh, I got caught up in that, and it was rough. And 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 Bob Hill ended up getting fired after that season, and Fordham brought in Derek Wittenberg, and he pretty much turned everything around. Study hall every day. He was extremely strict, and you know, and I, I ended up turning it around academically and, you know, over the next three years, you know, we got better each year, mm-hmm. you know, which is, uh, I ended up losing my senior year and in the semifinals of the A-10 tournament, we're just going through that process. And, and, you know, during that time as well too, you know, playing for the national team, I think helped as well. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, in so the, the, the first year that, so in 2003, when, uh, when coach Trano, invited me to, to work out with the team. I got a chance to work out with Steve every day. So I was, I was working out with Steve. I was picking his brain um, and I was practicing against men throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I went back my, my sophomore year, 
you know, I was Is that out here? Did you spend some time out here? No, 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 no. We had, okay. we, we, uh, training camp was in Toronto. It was in Toronto yeah. at the flag deck. And then in 2004, I played in my first international competition in, in Beijing. Right. So being, how's that? No, it was, it was, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Right. Cause I never, I, for me, I never played, I didn't play junior cadet. You know, we didn't have any of those programs, right? Like right. you had MDP, JDP, and I didn't even play for, for, any, for any of the provincial teams. So I started out on the senior team. So I got an opportunity to learn on the job. So we played against, you know, Yao Ming's team yeah. in, uh, in 2004 in China. We played against Brazil and Croatia. But just that, just just playing and 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 just learning, right? And learning mm-hmm. and 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 playing against some of the best teams in the world, some of the best players in the world. Going back to Fordham, it almost felt easy, you know, coming sure. from that environment. Mm-hmm. So, what's it like to just work against and alongside a guy like Steve Nash every single day? Uh, especially, <laughs> at a, at a young, especially at a young age, right? Like, were you just a sponge or what? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I I I tell people this all the time. Ask him a question every single day. Mm. I think I, I I'm not. I, I can't believe he still talks to me because I, I would have been a, <laughs> I would have been annoyed, right? <laughs> but just but just seeing him, just seeing him work, right, and and his attention to detail, and you know, like how you see how he takes care of his body. Right, and his approach to the game is is his intellect, and just I, I watched I watched everything that he did, you know, from the minute he walked mm-hmm. into the gym, right, and and his ability to communicate with his teammates, and then at times too, when you know when things got testy in practice, he, you know, I seen him put a couple guys in in headlocks as well, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. you know at the same time when practice was over, you know, he gave that guy a hug as well, right, sure. so being around that and seeing him and be, picking his brain and, 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 and seeing, you know, seeing him work, you know, all, all the one foot runners and floaters, you know, like he, he worked on that stuff every single day before and after practice. Right. So that, you know, so for us watching, it was like, Oh, wow, this is an amazing shot. But to him, that's, that's just a workout. Yeah. <laughs> right. you know, yeah. It's a workout. Yeah. yeah Put himself in that situation so many times. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did you steal some of those leadership skills too, and like try to apply some of those things and use that stuff? One hundred percent. Yeah. Just like, just like, just constantly high fiving people and then touching people, and you know what I mean, hugging people before the game. Like, I, I that's all from Steve, right? And mm-hmm. as a point guard, you know, I felt that was extremely important. You know, and especially as I as I got older, you know, I was just doing it for the sake of doing it because I was like, oh, okay, Steve's doing this, so I'm gonna do it as well too. But as I got under, as I got as I got older, I, under, I understood the importance of why he was he was doing what he was doing. Yeah, at that time. Sure. I mean, how how old are you at that time? I was uh, two thousand and three, so I was twenty at the time. Crazy. Yeah, it's twenty. Isn't it funny how life works sometimes, you know? Like, yeah, Jay doesn't pick up the phone or give you that invite or whatever, you know. And then you know, like you say that, that you get back and it just, everything just sort of seems to fall in place and, and be easier for you. What was it like to wear that Canadian jersey for that first time? Ah, oh, man, it was it was surreal. It was it was it, it, it was it was surreal. Like I think before there was a sense of you know national team pride. I, I felt it, right, and I, and I and I felt it because I I watched those guys, right, and, and Steve and Meeks and Rowan and all those guys, 
And I and it, for me, I felt like I was wearing it for them more so than the country, right? And and it wasn't until I started traveling Brazil and you know playing against Greece and these other countries that I realized like wow, like playing for your national team is is a big deal, right? Because we didn't we didn't we didn't have we didn't have that in, in environment, right? Like we sure. didn't have that atmosphere. Um, when we were playing at home, I we, I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt it when we were it actually we were in Vancouver when we played against China. Yeah, right? that was crazy. I felt like it was, I think it was more so people that came to watch China than they did they 100%. did us. But but I still you know was like if we had the if we had the chance to draft Yao like honestly with the you know the Asian culture we have here like there's yeah. no way our franchise would have been crazy. Like I remember crazy. that game, yeah, Richie Anderson yeah. and Novi Thomas and those guys. Yeah. yeah, that was that was amazing, man. The national pride. And and even to like for me, like it's not even close. The nat- playing for the national team by far the best experience from a basketball standpoint. It was the only time it felt the game felt pure and mm. that it was it was only about winning and you know the 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 other eleven guys that I was playing with and the staff, you know, it was it wasn't about, you know, contract or numbers. It was just about trying to qualify for the Olympics yeah. or the world. Yeah. And, 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 and one goal, was, right? One goal, one goal. It, it was pure and it, and it was fun regardless of how we played. Like we still enjoyed our time with one another. You know, it, it was a unique, it was a unique, unique and special, you know, I know time for me uh, for sure. Without question. Did you ever find, or was there a moment where, you looked around one day at practice and you realized you were the Steve Nash because you had been around so long and you were kind of like in that role in terms of like there's some young guards that you're working with and or did you never have that moment? I mean, you look at your resume, you played so many games and were around so many times. There had to have been some young bucks that you took under your wing a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. You want to admit it or not? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I felt I felt that way when um. When Corey, when Corey and 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 Tristan, these guys started coming around, because I like I know DJ, I know DJ, his dad, right? So mm-hmm. I remember Corey as a young kid, and and now he's he's at um you know a training camp, right? So <laughs> wasn't, wasn't until then, and 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 seeing you know Leo's um, youngest Sammy, you know, and then seeing him come in and start to shoot around and work out, and I was just like wow, like, I'm, I'm, I'm that old guy now, you know, <laughs> and yeah. like, you know, you start seeing all these, seeing all these young guys come in, but, um, but I, I never looked at, I never looked at them that way. I was just like, you know what, like, it's, it's a blessing that, that I'm still here, you know, yeah. like, and I was going to say, and get to like help. Yeah. And props to you for, you know, like just working, taking care of your body, hopefully staying healthy every season overseas, you know, and just having the opportunity to continue to go back. I think says a lot about you and just have that longevity. And like you say, just be thankful that you're there, right? Cause you're one ankle or a knee away from, and time goes quick, especially when it's national team stuff, right? It's like a full year is a long time. So yeah, there's always some young buck rolling in. Right. So I think, yeah, it's a good, that's a good perspective to have on. I mean, as funny as it is to be seeing those guys roll in the gym, says a lot about <laughs> what you did and, and how you took yourself seriously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. 
If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. After a brief hiatus, Goodlad Clothing has returned, but under a new location, 3283 Main Street is where they can be found. Name drop a Hoops Journey to get 10% off any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Goodlad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. And then another blessing, you get to go and like paid to play basketball overseas. You know, I mean, from just the young kid running around chasing the cousins and trying to get on the fives out on the court to, to actually sitting down and talking to agents, figuring out where do you want to play this year? Or which team is the best fit? Like pretty kind of a cool experience and feeling I, I would imagine. And just all the different places, you, you know, you look at your resume and being able to see the world once again and live in those places for more than just a couple of weeks or a weekend mm-hmm. at a time. Huffman all knows that like Meeks talked about just kind of taking in the culture. He really loved that part of it, right? Just some of the cities you got to live in and, like fell in love with the places because it's like Europe is dope and you know yeah it's, I'm saying because I'm like I wish I could live through you guys sometimes man and experience those things <laughs> but looking back on it yeah no I and and to be honest like that's probably you know obviously like yeah playing and you know winning games and you know the pursuit of a championship and all that but like just being able to live in a, a different country and to meet new people. I think is by far the the best experience, like, because there's nothing that can replace that. And for me, I'm able, I know to this day, and I always say this, if I didn't have anything and I just had my passport in a backpack, that there were probably, there's probably about 10 to 15 countries that I could travel to in the world. And I know that I'll be perfectly fine. Like somebody mm-hmm. will take care of me just based on, my time being with a, a teammate or somebody that I met in a particular country. And I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a blessing, you know, and, and living in Germany for the majority of my career. And I remember when I signed my first contract in Bamberg, I remember my grandparents saying, Oh, are you going to Germany? Like Germany exists and that, and it's racist. And, you know, cause they, they, they grew up watching, you know, the, the, the sure. world war two right? yeah. documentary. Yeah. And they're just and trying then, to protect you, right? Yeah, they're yeah, for you. Trying to protect you. But I, that summer, I actually, we traveled to Hamburg and Nuremberg and we played, you know, a couple of exhibition games. And I was just like, Germany is amazing from what I saw. <laughs> and then I encouraged them to visit. And, and they came out and they visited for, for two weeks when I was in Trier. And now they love Germany. Like Germany is like their favorite place in the world after Jamaica, which is home for them. Right. right. So being able to provide that experience for my family and friends and, and, and loved ones, I think is, 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 you know, besides my personal experience, being able to provide that for them, um, you know, is truly, truly a gift and, and a blessing. And now their perspective is, has changed right? yeah. from the world yeah. war to Germany that they saw to, to being out there for a couple of weeks. And, you know, my grandparents tell their friends all the time, how much they love Germany. You know, which I think yeah. is really cool. It is. That's powerful. That's awesome, man. 
And, if, yeah. and for you to be able to be confident and say like, you know, there's 15 places in the world I know just says a lot about kind of your humble approach to life and how you treat people. Right. I mean, there's lots of guys that have played overseas and probably have nowhere to call because they're <laughs> assholes. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you well, obviously prioritize relationships. You use the word family at the start of the show and those people aren't even, you know, blood. They're just people that you work with and friends, but you look at them as like family and, and so you are someone who obviously seems to be pretty uh, relationship driven, right? And and I think that's kind of the foundation of leadership, at least from my perspective, which probably what makes you a great GM at, at this point. Relationships are everything. It's being able to foster relationships and and that and just communication, right? Like mm-hmm. communicate, communicate. This communication, I'm, I'm I'm big on communication and just being open and honest. That's why when you ask me um, about coach role, if if I was ever frustrated, like, nah, because I'm the same way. So if I'm messing up or, or if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, you know, I want somebody to tell me and be honest and, and tell mm-hmm. me, cause I, I'm, uh, you know, and, and on the flip side, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm the, I'm going to, I'm going to say it with love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to belittle anybody. I don't want anybody to belittle me, but you know, I think if, if we're open and honest with one another, then, you know, it's, I think it makes for a much healthier relationship, whether it's yeah. professional or business, romantic, however you want to look at it. Yeah, for sure. With you 100 on that. And like, if you, if you can find a good way to give feedback to people and then be open <clears> to receiving it, like, man, good stuff happens. You know, I mean, we can give feedback to people in a really bad way, but if you can give it to someone in a good way, and they're open to it and you're open to also receiving that feedback on your positives and your negatives, then you got pretty healthy relationships no matter what they are. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. What's the next step for you? You know, obviously you've got, uh, you know, the CBL team, but are you, are you just enjoying yourselves? Are you doing some coaching on the side? What's a, what's a day to day for you these days? Um, So right now just getting ready for the uh, BCLAs. So, um, I'll need to put put a team together for the for the first window in December. I mean, it's going to be tough because all of our guys are already signed. <laughs> so <laughs> it's um you know pulling from uh you know a group of guys that are that are home for whatever reason. And I'm working with um Antwi to put a team together. So looking forward to that. And also just focusing on my organization. So I started a, a not for profit five years ago called Fifty for Free Youth Community Initiative. And nice the, man. I was actually going to ask you about that because at first I thought you were just I thought you were just giving people a hard time, like I'll give you fifty for free. But then I saw it was like dot com, and I was like, oh, there's more to this. So oh yeah, please, yeah by yeah. all means, yeah, say yeah, more, but, please. Yeah, yeah. So organization I started um, five years ago, um, which is designed to teach high school students from marginalized communities about financial literacy and imperative life skills through sport. So now we actually, besides our summer program um, that we run in July and August, we also offer financial literacy programming to to high, local high schools throughout the calendar school year. You know, so you know that that that's been fun. Financial literacy is something I'm extremely passionate about, and it's a way to provide you know people within within my community and give them access to educators, and you know they still they still get to play, but you know, just teaching them the importance of budgeting and credit and debt investing and the time value of money, you know, all the things that we weren't necessarily taught in, in, in school. 
and helping to fill that void is is the mission of the organization. So that's amazing. You know, focusing so on that. Fifty for free dot com. It was fifty for free. Yeah, fifty yeah. for free dot com. Yeah, nice. and on Instagram at fifty for free spelled out uh, one word. And check it out, yeah. people. And I couldn't agree more. I think you know, being a high school educator, I'm aware of the loopholes in our system, and some some you can change, and some they're pretty hard to change. But uh, working with some of these grade twelves, one of the biggest things they always talk is about my financial literacy. Once I get out of high school, whether I decide to just start to work full time or go to school, and I can't afford my parents can't afford to you know pay pay for me to go. You know, just learning how to value that money is so big. And, um, you know, my first few years as a teacher, you don't get paid very well. Right. And I was not on mm-hmm. point. And if they didn't pay me 12 months of the year and it was 10, I would have definitely had to have moved home in the summer <laughs> months because I would have been dead broke. Right. And I had no idea. Like, I just didn't know the value of a buck. So good on you, man. And, and I love that you use the word passion because I think and I don't know if you felt this, but just sort of once you kind of hang the shoes up, so, so to speak. What is it that keeps us going? Yeah, you're involved in basketball still, but you're pursuing a passion, something that's really important to you. So you probably wake up most days and it doesn't feel like work. And that's awesome. I think that's huge. Oh, no, not not at all. I mean, I guess I'll ask you this. Um, yeah. Switch it around uh, real quick. There we go. <laughs> switch around. I'm playing. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> no, I mean, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think, you know, obviously you're an educator, but mm-hmm. why do you think, you know, it isn't, a provincial mandate financial literacy what's your take on it i just think we're just slow to change i think mm-hmm. i think we're slow to change i think our curriculums need change i think what we're teaching these kids needs change like in terms of i mean i could go on a rant here i think our canadian history that we talk about is not what we should be talking about i think we should be focusing on more on i mean you're also talking to a guy who I didn't really enjoy high school very much from an academic standpoint because I didn't connect to the learning. I didn't connect to what was being taught, right? It was a lot of lecture. And I think we just know more. We know more about kids. We know more about teenagers. We know more about learning styles. And I think if we give teachers the resources um, and the ability to sort of have that autonomy and know that, yeah, there is a small box of curriculum that I have to get through, but how I deliver that. And instead of me having 32 kids in some public school, I can have 18 or 19 now. Is that ever going to happen? No. But how do you actually get kids connected to their learning as well? Uh, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense. I just think like there's lots of loopholes in our systems provincially all over. And I, you know, I mean, why don't we have foods at every school? Why don't we have um, like we should be pushing, especially out here at West where nothing but condos are going up and towers like we should be pushing kids to get in the trades. Right. They can make a good living being in the trades here. And I think the days of really kind of looking at that stereotypical degree, which is important and education is important, but these kids can, they can work at a bank, they can be a barista and they can play music on the weekends. They can have three separate jobs and and still make a good living for themselves. And two of those might be passions, you know? So I just think we're just slow to it. And I think we need, we need younger people in the higher up positions, superintendents, people that are a little more progressive thinking and more connected to what kids needs are, you know, not the the man or woman that's sort of just been sitting there in that position for 15, 20 years. And that's no knock, but, you know, it's like doing my practicum and being in education. It's like you're, you're getting taught how to classroom manage with someone who hasn't been in the classroom in 25 years. It's like, Hey, well, <laughs> you know, whereas like yeah. I teach at a, I teach at a private school, every kid at our school has a Chromebook. Yeah. 
does do ever does everyone in our staff know how to like really get something out of that Chromebook for kids to learn on, or do they look at it like it's it's a weapon or it's something that's going to block the distraction? Them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I just think like it's that growth mindset, right? I think sometimes teaching is a profession, man. You got me going here. You got me going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> teaching is a profession where. Yeah, I think you can get very comfortable in it, right? And I think um, the best teachers and probably the teachers that you had were the ones that got to know a little bit about you, knew your name, connected with you on some level, and then you you bought into whatever they taught you. It didn't matter what the content was. It was, do we connect with these kids? And so how are we setting them up for after grade 12, no matter what they choose, or grade 13, which you cheaters in Ontario have, if, uh, <laughs> after they're done that, are they prepared for, for life? Not to yeah. go to Brock and get a five-year degree and spit out some con more content and then not know what to do and be eighty thousand dollars in debt. Like, debt, yeah. are they prepared for and to and to do something that's a passion, or is it mom and dad or mom or whoever that are like, oh, you're going to become a nurse because blah blah blah. So here we go, man. Got yeah, go, man. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah, I got it. Asked me one simple <laughs> question, I went off. My bad. <laughs> it's all good, man. But no, honestly, I, I feel your passion. And mm. I feel I feel the exact same way, you know, and that's yeah, why. and I'm sure you sense it, right? Like you you maybe contact schools and they're like, well, I don't know if we can get you in because our budgets are tight, or, and you're like, I'll do it for half price, or I'll come in for the first session for free, and like, I don't know. And it's like, come on, growth mindset. These kids, like these kids, don't even need. They can have a wallet on their phone. They can walk around and tap things everywhere. You and I needed to yeah. go and get cash. Yeah. yeah, like, and we barely just started to get bank cards. These kids can just download their phone or on their phone and just tap, yeah, tap, yeah. tap, and it, they drop three hundred bucks in a day and no problem. And it's like, yeah, do you even know what you're spending it on? So I just think there's a lot of life skills that we need to focus on as as opposed to really heavy content and curriculum because I think your high achievers are going to be your high achievers in school, right? The kids that are in yeah. high school in grade 10, 11, 12, they're already academic. They already want to learn that content. It's kind of the middle of the pack and the and the kids that are just a struggle to get there every day. How do we connect them to it? You know? So yeah. Um, uh, we're on the same page. I'm with my you. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm with you. Well, you do it out east. I'll I'll try my best out west and hopefully we can continue to push out some uh some good young men and women who will, you know, help make Canada a better place. You know what I mean? Amen. Amen. All right, let's do some fun questions and we'll get you on your way. Sound good? It sounds good. Uh, you touched on it already a little bit. And you've mentioned, obviously, your grandparents and your family and stuff. Is there anybody else that you've left out kind of that have been some of the most important people in your life up to this point? Yeah, I would, I would have to say um, Mrs. Khan, God bless her soul. Mrs. Khan was uh, an educator at Eastern, and she pretty much helped all of us qualify and pass our SAT. <laughs> look, at the, look at the timing of this, right? Like, And you probably... Other than the reason of, you know, hey, I got to get through this because it's the only way I could get this scholarship. I got to pass this thing. But I'm sure there was a level of respect between the two of you. And because she didn't treat you like you were just some 17 year old, she probably dropped to your level and let you know that she actually cared about you. You know what I mean? And I don't mean to put words in your mouth. I'm just taking no, a guess. No, no you're, you're absolutely right. But the, I would say the most important thing is that she continued to support me throughout my entire career and mm. every game every game that i played against saint bonaventure she was there she brought my grandparents 
when I graduated from, from university, she was there. When I did my MBA and graduated, she was there. When I played in a Crown League game at Ryerson University throughout the summer, she was there. National no team, she was there. So anything where I was remotely close that I was involved in, mm. she attended. So it wasn't, a, it, it, it never stopped. Amazing. You know, it never stopped. So that's I, I what sounds like an amazing lady. Yeah. Yeah. Books or movies? Depends on the time, but I'm going to say. Okay. Sure. Need more time to read. I'm, I'm a bad reader. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Books are, yeah. I, I say movies, movies. Because I, 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 movies, I, movies I, could, I could actually do it with somebody else. Whereas you're sure. reading, you're, you're by yourself. Got you. What are some all-time favorites for you or something you watched recently? What do you think? Uh, the the Woman King. I, I, the Woman King was an amazing movie. Okay. To me. Just came out. That's and I would say any that. The, anything that Al Pacino was in. Woo! <laughs> I'm a big Al Pacino guy. Here we go. Carlito's Way. Carlito. Yep. yep. He's Name top shelf. We, uh, <laughs> we did on episode 95 because we kind of took a break in the summer. We brought in... Um, I don't know if you met Scott Morrison yet. He's been helping out yeah, with the yeah. national team a little bit. Yeah, he, and then another guy, David Larkins, and we did a few drafts. And one of them was like, you're stuck on a desert island and you get to draft like one actor, actress, and you get their whole catalog, right? And so he took Al Pacino number one. So Scott did. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, Scott, yeah, Scott and I are on the same page then. Yeah, yeah. No, he, there you go. Okay. I love how you just said that you named one movie then you just took the guy's whole catalog. Fair, fair play. <laughs> hey, I'm going to take it. your Godfather. What else you want? Donnie Brasco. Keep going. So tough. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? I think it's disgusting. I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't. I, I, yeah. For all, so I'm gonna start by saying this. I, I I don't eat gluten or dairy. Right? Okay. There are mm-hmm. there are there are gluten free and dairy free macaroni packs out there, but when I did eat regular craft glue box can never put ketchup on it and i put ketchup on it and on everything oh mac and cheese wow okay now this, yeah. that's I'm a, this I'm thing a ketchup guy. okay but the point at you through this camera i feel you i feel you thank you <laughs> appreciate your honesty <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right dead or alive doesn't matter the artist but you and whoever you want to take have the best seat in the house uh what concerts are you going to see Give us a couple. What's on the iPod? iPod. Who's going to say iPod? How old am I? Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't show your age. What's on the Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> I think you say it was on Napster, but um, no, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> nice pull. Well done. Uh, yeah, no, I would say um, Michael Jackson for sure. Uh, I, Michael Jackson. Yeah, I would, I would love to just love see him perform. That would be the yeah. show, man. Yeah. Whole time. Tupac, yes. I'm a big Tupac fan, is, is energy. Probably, All eyes on me. Great double disc. Uh, yep. Probably Whitney Houston. Ooh. I'd love to, to see her perform live and to hear her With voice. some good audio. Person. Yeah. It'd probably like yeah. go right through you, you know? Yeah. 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 But Michael, but Michael, but Michael first, first and foremost. Okay. I like it. Good stuff. Just curious. Maybe, maybe not a concert. What else is on the Spotify these days? Wait, oh, right now. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm just throwing. So, yeah, so so I'm, I'm a big I'm a big um, '90s R&B guy. But when I'm working out, Little Baby is definitely really? 
Okay. Little baby's in there. Old school locks is, is definitely is definitely wow. in there. Okay. You know Drake. You know the home hometown hometown guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that's it. I, I I still still have a lot of old like '90s hip hop and R&B tracks on on heavy rotation. I feel you. Uh, yeah. I'll uh I'll text you uh an album after this. It's, it's like right, a young. Enough. It's a new guy, young guy. It makes me feel good about myself because I. Kids give me a hard time. They think I just like trash all the new music. And I'm like, I actually, you know, most Thursday nights at nine o'clock when the music drops on Spotify, I try to listen to it, you know, but yeah. I, I can't, I can't stomach most of it, but there's this guy named JID. He's pretty dope. I'll, I'll send him to you. I'll send you the album and see what you think. Okay. Yeah. And even for me, even reggae, still, I'm still listening to like Bounty Killer. So of course. Old school. Yeah. There you go. Bounty Killer. Wow. Great pull. <laughs> Here we go. Now you're... Go- <laughs> This might be a tough one for you to answer. Although, okay, what's what, what's your favorite bag of chips in your less healthier days? Oh, my less healthier days, uh, healthier days. I would say probably ketchup, ketchup chips in my younger days. Okay, just some regular like old Dutch Lay's and matter. Yeah, just ketchup. So yeah, just ketchup and and Doritos assorted. Ooh, let's go. Yeah, Doritos assorted. Then that was Not the blue bag. That. Oh, like the, uh, it's got like the, like the cheesies, nachos. Like everything. Corn, yeah, the corn chip. Yeah. They put everything on there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they just mash the whole factory together and put yeah. it on the chip. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go wrong? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now without feeling bad about leaving anyone out, anyone out, is there like an all time teammate team or let's say it's you and four dudes and you're going to, you're going to play on the hard court, like you're, you're outdoor. Who you rolling with? Oh, right Anybody right. that you that you played with? So it's not not people that you played against, but people you played with. Yeah. So I'm gonna and start we're talking blacktop. Saying... So like, call your own, right? Like we're playing to 21 or 15, twos and ones, threes and twos. You know. So yeah, kind of ball. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start by saying that the 2009 that the 2009 national team, the team that qualified, team that I qualified with for for the 2010 Worlds. Like that group for sure, but if I could, if I had to pick one player that I played with, I'd four. probably have to say, oh, four. So one for Georgia sure. Squad. You and who? AJ Moye. We went to uh, we played together in Germany. Went to the University of Indiana. I have to go with. I'm gonna go with Aaron Dornicamp. Ooh, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be he's the got, enforcer. He's got five fouls. He need to muck it up. Do the stuff okay, yeah. nobody wants to do. Yeah, set those screens, rebound. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Between, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably, I'd probably say after that, probably have to go with Denim. Need a bucket. It's my class. Need a bucket. He carried our entire class. And <laughs> either the biggest tough, because I have, I have Joel, and I have Joel, Jesse Young, and my college teammate Brian Dunstan. Who is the all-time leader in blocks in, in Euroleague history, if I'm not mistaken? Ooh. So one of those, one of those three guys at the five. I know I'm kind of cheating because I didn't pick one, but you, you are. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's, my, who's most likely to check this episode out, if any of them? <laughs> Probably, well, Joe. Jo- 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 not Joe. Not Joe. return my t- anybody's text, man. Let alone listen to your ass for an hour. You know. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I mean Brian Dunson is in—he's in Turkey right now, I think. So he's definitely not. 
So yeah, we, we have to go, Jesse Young. There we go, Jesse. We're, Jesse, you better with these <laughs> Jesse, you gotta, you gotta listen. <laughs> is he on? Is he on IG? We'll make sure we tag him. <laughs> he he is, but he he doesn't post anything. He has like oh, okay, one of those silent creeper pages. Yeah, he's one of those. I'm gonna, huh? I'm gonna mess. I'm gonna message him on there. See if he responds. Okay, two more questions, man. This has been super fun. Thank you for your time. Um, no, no problem. Who, who would you like to see on Hoop's journey? But you got to help us get them. Who's out there that's got a good story or is uh, someone that'd be fun to just chop it up with for an hour or so? Be a good one. I mean, did, uh, did you get did, did you get Shep? Yeah. John Shepard. You got him. Yep. Yep. Be a good one. I'm trying to think of a a character. I mean, did you get Denim? No, man. You gotta get Denim, man. I mean, how do we, right? Gotta get Denim. I'm just I'll, I'll send him a message. He's the one. I mean. He like he, you know, going back to a couple three. Of, there might be a couple of scenes in Denim's Instagram, you know. Yeah, the yeah. Times right though. How about you know? How about that for episode 100? Come on now. Nah, uh, I mean 111, right? 100th episode, right? You know, because you think about it, like going back to that O three, you know, team. Like he he was on it, mm-hmm. right? Like he was on that team. So he was he was the first, you know, for him and you know Jesse Young were the mm-hmm. the young guys. So I, I think I think I think Dan would be a good one. I would agree with you, sir. That's a legend right there. So yeah, and no pressure. I know sometimes these things aren't for people. So if that doesn't work out. I'm gonna find you, and you're gonna get someone else for me. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. We'll figure it out. Yeah, man. Any last thoughts or anything? I mean, in terms of someone who stuck it out for Canada for so long and, and had a great basketball hoops journey. You're at the top of the list and uh, one of the greatest to do it for our country. We appreciate everything that you've done and continuing. I know the GM thing is something that's a passion and you know, you're, you're enjoying it, but it also is helping grow the game in Canada. It's given exposure to more guys and, and letting the young people like you yourself, you know, see those people in the, in the games and tangible. Now they come to their community, they're part of their communities and, you know, they see these big guys rolling in and getting autographs and it's huge. And I think it'll just do nothing but help to continue to grow our game. So, you know, thank you for doing that, even though, you know, you're, it's it's work for you, but uh, it does make a difference. So any last thoughts no. before uh, you're on your way here, my man? No, honestly, I just I just want to thank you for for having me and and for sharing my story. And, you know, like you just touched on the CBL, you know, I just want to thank the CBL for giving myself, you know, Joel, Javon, Brady, et cetera, an opportunity to to learn and grow and, you know, to be in a position to to help run an organization. You know, for me it's been a wonderful journey and a great learning experience. I'm extremely thankful, you know, for the CBO for for them helping to grow the the ecosystem in our in our country. So extremely mm-hmm. appreciative. I'm pre- appreciative for you. Um, you know, like I said, for highlighting our journeys and, you know, hopefully we could get denim. Uh, on here for you so you can continue 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 going keep it keep it rolling yeah we're looking forward to whoever's up next and we feel honored and blessed to just be able to get these um, episodes out and have people like yourself and thanks to the cbl cbl uh you know took us long enough to try and connect so um yeah (laughs) thank thank them for keeping your life busy but it is what it is and it was an honor and a privilege and if you're ever out west hit me up Uh, i'd love to connect in person and continued success to you Uh, blessings to you and your family and uh, we'll be watching from afar out west and uh, stay well and healthy my man same to you as well man many blessings god bless the uh the podcast and you know hopefully i'll see you soon whether in uh out west or or in ontario you got it 
maybe uh, hoops training will have to go on the road. Let's get, let's get it live from a live from the Drew League or AAU tournament or something. That'd be dope. Uh, episode ninety-seven to all our listeners. Thank you so much, especially Jesse Young for listening because I know you're still here. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing, as well as ATO B Ball, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for supporting A Hoop's Journey. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on social media at A Hoop's Journey and on our website, ahoopsjourney.com. Thank you to our guest, Jermaine Anderson. Thank you to our sponsors, ATO Basketball Merchants, Parkside Brewery, and Good Lad Clothing. And we'll see you on the next episode.